Hey, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find this on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major autopocketers, Odyssey as well. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com. No Way Jose 2020. Lowest level is two bucks. You can get that early episodes. Today, we're going to be talking about the Long Island serial killers uh, story, and I'm bringing on Shane Cashman for a good old buddy of mine. Have a little talk about that. Shoot the shit. Maybe a little talk a little bit more about other stuff as well. We'll see where the conversation goes. Uh, we can take it wherever. Uh, I also do let my sponsors know. I normally read you guys off at the beginning. I'm going to start doing it at the end just, just for to make this flow a little better, but just letting you guys know, leave a little heads up. If you guys don't like that, let me know. But anyways, that is a perk. If you guys do want that on the higher end, I do read my sponsors off every episode. I'm going to start doing it at the end, like I said. But with that, let's go ahead and get into it and get my buddy Shane on here and we'll start shooting the shit. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Uh, happy to have you back. Uh, there have been some new developments as of late in uh, your kind of story that you've kind of held close to heart, your thing. Uh, I guess I guess if you want to give like a, a just a quick, just kind of quick what we're talking about here to the audience. And if you if you want to introduce yourself, you can as well. You've had you on enough times that I don't know it's not really necessary. That's up yeah. to you. But, but I'll, I'll give the floor to you. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, uh, I, I write for TinCast.com. Uh, and before I even started writing there, uh, about seven, eight years ago, I started covering the Long Island serial killer story. Um, so basically, that's a that was a 13-year cold case. Um, and by the time I got a hold of it, you know, it was 2015, 16-ish. Uh, and I was just shocked at the level of um, incompetence in the police department, in the Suffolk County Police Department. This is in, in Long Island, obviously. Uh, it was just a mess. And it was just a, like a hive of paranoia. Everyone in this area was pointing the finger at everyone else. Everyone was like, you're the suspect, you're the suspect. So uh, I was asked to write a, a review of a book about the victims uh, of, the, of the serial killer. And I read it and it was like, it's a pretty good book. It's by Robert Kolker. Uh, it's called Lost Girls. But I felt like I could have added something different. Like I had a different idea for a different angle, which was the... Um, the internet sleuths, like the, the amateur detectives, which is like a small part of his book, but it was so interesting to me that because the police are so incompetent, um, it was kind of like the, the investigation was kind of being crowdsourced with some of the victims' families, right? And it became this huge thing uh, across the world, right? With different blogs and whatnot. And I wanted to pretty much immerse myself with those people and that's what I did. Uh, so yeah, starting around 2015-ish, 2016, I spent every waking moment be basically becoming an amateur detective with various people. Some people, uh, and this is all online. So it was like, you know, some, some days I'm with someone in Las Vegas combing over evidence and other days I'm with someone from Long Island or from the area uh, looking at some other evidence. And uh, I also talked to cops, uh, former cops. I talked to victim, uh, victims family members a bunch of them and yeah so kind of was like my first like that was basically my first like real bigger story of me kind of writing like a a 20 page you know like almost small book about something and it became very dear to my heart uh and then it kind of left my life and you know we can kind of go into the ways it's haunted me you know if you want but yeah, it, it kind of never left me. And now we have some breaking news too. And, and the breaking news, well, sort of breaking news is like a month ago, uh, or, or actually it's two months ago now, we found a suspect, the 
task force, which was created, I believe it was about two years ago, basically found evidence uh, about a suspect that had been hidden. Uh, the police had it all along. And it was a, a car and a description of a man. And uh, <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go back to this. I want to keep this brief to kind of give the overview. But like, all of a sudden they had a car and they found this guy, I think within like six months of the task force being created. And the guy uh, is a, it was very strange because a lot of us who were involved in looking at this case, we thought it would be someone who was high profile, someone who was wealthy, someone who's probably a big part of the community in some way. And uh, that's what we got. We got this guy, Rex Sherman, who's an architect, who's had uh, clients like American Airlines. And uh, they were following him. They got him. I, I supposedly we don't know for sure yet before he was about to maybe do something else violently. And uh, yeah, and that was it. Basically, uh, he, he's in he's in jail. He's in. They got him now. You know, and we'll, we'll go back into this as well. There's, there's a lot to say about it. But on August 1st, I went and saw him in court for his hearing. And uh, he's a big dude. He's like 6'4", between 6'4 and 6'8". No one's told us yet. I'm 6'2". He was way bigger than me. And he was way bigger than cops that were in that room that were bigger than me. And he's, he's massive, uh, 275. So, you know, he kind of, a, a lot of us thought, you know, that's the kind of guy, but his name wasn't on the list at all. So now we're waiting, we know, waiting to see the actual evidence that the DA says they have on him, which, uh, you know, like, like you and I and most people watching know, it's hard to believe everything the media is telling you, especially if it's the DA, right? Yeah. So he might sound like the guy to me and a lot of us, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see actual evidence, you know, see the court a case uh, unfold finally, hopefully. Okay, well, we'll get back to that because that was one of my key questions. I did want to know what actual evidence and things they had, but I guess we'll get back into that. I actually kind of want to start off with what interests me the most about this. And I, in a weird way, it, what interests me the most about this is that it interests you. Because I, I, you know, me and you, I like, I like to think of you as a friend. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think we would, I would say we're close friends. That's fair to say. We know we've yeah, talked to each other plenty of sure. times. We've been on here, but I think we're friends and I find you to be an in, very interesting guy. So you taking yeah. on this and the fact it speaks to you, I can see the care with which you treat it. I can tell it speaks to you. I can kind of sympathize that with my own stuff, like between the OKC, specifically Yiki, that thing, spe that story sp spoke to me a lot. So I just I kind of wanted to dig into that because I do think there's an interesting conversation to be had. I know a lot of people might want to deep dive, but like in the specifics of this. But I, I just for me, I find this particularly interesting kind of what what captures certain people, because for one, I, I will say this story. I'll be completely honest. I'm not normally your like serial killer kind of guy that's like any of that kind of stuff. There usually has to be some sort of angle that catches me. So a serial killer killing mm -hmm. essentially hookers for me doesn't really normally suck me in and i'm not saying that makes it a bad story different things speak to different people i'm sure the yiki yep. story may not speak to you in the same way it speaks to me uh, but i do find it interesting because i do think it speaks to who you are as a person like for example the yiki story for me i i can identify the things that make it speak to me uh the, mm -hmm. the for one i've said before yiki looks a lot like uh my my, my real life best friend uh he also right. I, I I can identify with being stuck in like a bureaucracy. I did 11 years active duty, left, uh, got out for partially ideological reasons, some family reasons, others. 
uh, because I, when I did join, I legit was the kind of guy that, you know, I was kind of an idiot who bought the bullshit and was like, you know what? I genuinely believe that I was going to go do violence and that was going to somehow, you know, protect people. Because in my yeah. heart, I, I am the kind of person who, like, I don't want to do violence to innocent people, but something about me, maybe it's the warrior spirit in me, I genuinely am someone that, that appeals to me. And I think there's something to that, which this also speaks to the paranoia that goes on with these sort of stories that you speak about a lot. I think partially a little bit of that danger speaks to me. I have to be a little bit smart on it and be like, you know what? Not that I've ever really been too concerned, but part of me is like, don't ever want to get in too deep because I do have people that are important to me that could get hurt. But part mm -hmm. of me is like, I do want, like if I didn't have a family and I was on this path, I'd be going hard as hell because it's just like, whatever, come at me. Like, yeah. cause for it's yeah. something about that danger. Um, yep. I just want to know, like, how does this speak to you? I, this story, I, I, I want to be back up a little bit. I don't want to say this, this story, story does speak to me a little bit because I do see some of the angles with the bureaucracies involved and some of the sinister yep. aspects, the possibilities are interesting. I'm just saying typically on its face, knowing serial killer story doesn't pull me in. Yeah. But now when I know some of the other elements, that's when I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. all right, let's talk mm -hmm. now. I guess if you just for a moment kind of just talk about what what elements of this sucked you in because I, I just think it speaks yep. to you as a person. I think there's some sort yeah. of deep conversation to be had there that if I was a smarter person oh, yeah. could probably make a whole <laughs> podcast out of it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I have a, I have a lot to say about that. So I was I was certainly born paranoid. I don't know mm -hmm. why. You know, like from a very young age, something about I was you know I grew up uh, on a farm with no neighbors in the woods and the, uh, the, the, the darkness of a forest at night was like my first like monster, right? And something about that feeling has always uh, been in my brain and, and for good and bad, you know? I really like a lot of old like New England stories by someone like Nathaniel Hawthorne that talks about how scary the woods are. And he wrote about the Salem witch trials times uh, way after they happened, but he would write about the forest like they are possessed, right? Like there's some kind type of dark energy in them. Uh, so there was that. And uh, so one of the, so when it comes to the paranoia, uh, this story was just brimming with paranoia. And it, that spoke to me, right? Because uh, first of all, in terms of the, the darkness aspect and the woods aspect, there's just a graveyard of bodies found in the wilderness, right by a popular beach. Right. So the fact that there's these people surfing all the time and what they call the surf capital of the East, while right across the road is 11 bodies, one of which is a baby, you know, and this is happening. You know, this is just like it's just this weird uh, uh, it's like uh, opposing image of these dead bodies there for so long lined up on the beach by who knows. You know, we don't know who yet. Maybe this guy we're talking about. And then it's like fun party stuff. And that was just like how I always uh, uh, pictured my paranoia where it's like these people having such a great time life is so beautiful but also like right below the surface is like total darkness and violence right um which i just for whatever reason always was interested in as a kid i also watched unsolved mysteries as a kid and uh you know that just spoke to me those kind of stories spoke to me um the serial killer aspect i don't know when that really started uh, but I do remember the point when I got like really interested in it. And that was, I was working at a deli at a golf course by where I grew up. And the older sister of one of my friends from high school also worked with me. 
And uh, she at the time was training to go to the CIA or the FBI, sorry. And uh, they gave her a book to read about profiling serial killers. And I, I worked a lot, I, more than she did. She was older than me, she was doing other jobs, but she would leave the book there for me. And I read that thing front to back like a ton. And I was just like blown away. You know, at that point in high school, I had known about Ted Bundy. I knew about, you know, the bigger names, you know, uh, Ed Gain, if you want to consider him a serial killer, I guess. Uh, but I didn't know just how, how crazy some of them were, you know, like Ed Kemper, um, who, you know, the thing about him that always, uh, see the thing about these people and the serial killers for me is like, they're just confirmation of actual monsters that live amongst us and they're your neighbor. And that's cliche, but like, that's terrifying. You know, I talk a lot about in the inverted world series for Tim cast ghosts, UFOs, and you know, that's, there's like an abstraction to all of that that we can all talk about forever, but this is a very solid, very concrete terror that's all over the place and we can't quantify it because we have no idea how many are operating right now right we just know about the ones we caught right but there could be one across the street like literally and they could look like your your father it could be someone you know you know like this person who's a suspect the suspect in this case is a father of two children uh and a wealthy architect so that monster aspect really bothered me when i was reading that book when i was in high school um you know just learning about stuff like ed kemper Ed Kemper was so good at tricking the authorities. He was, first of all, he was friends with the cops. Um, second of all, he was on probation. I believe he killed his grandparents as a kid, uh, got out. And then, you know, he killed his mom after killing other people, decapitated her. You know, I don't know how deep and crazy I can go on your show, uh, oh, but he did other, he, he, he then made his mother's decapitated head suck his dick. And then he <laughs> put that, he, he, he then put that head in the trunk of his I'm car. Laughing. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's what you do. That's what you do when you're confronted with like such absurd, insane yes. evil, right? Like, because it's so insane. And then he, he drove to his probation meeting and he got a glowing, a glowing review from his probation officer while his mom's head in the trunk. Then, he, then sometime after that, maybe even that day, I have to go back and look. He drove off and got on a phone booth and called his buddies at the police station. And basically it's like he, he I think in his terms, he thought he healed himself of killing by killing his mom and he called the cops and was like all right i'm the serial killer you know i'm handing myself in and they thought it was a joke they just started laughing at him and he was like no no like i'm for real for real like it was me da, 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 da. so you know it's just crazy to me that that kind of exists and he was a, a really big guy uh you know i'll go back to why why that's interesting to me uh, and then the ted bundy thing it's like everyone knows ted bundy but they know they only know like the netflix version of ted bundy mm -hmm. right they don't know about like this this dude i mean he's the best at being the guy on the street you you wouldn't suspect but also being the most deranged monster in my opinion uh i mean these guys are all brilliant these these level guys like the kempers and the bundys uh, are really smart guys it's not like uh you know we can get into herbert mullen who's just who's just uh schizophrenic but um you know what, what people don't when i'm saying like they only know the netflix version of bundy it's like you get like the hallmark card version even though you know you're talking about a serial killer you know this motherfucker would open up, he would open up your body and he would take the intestines and string them through the tree because he thought it was fun, right? Mm -hmm. So like the image of a tree just out, I think that was in California, just like decorated in someone's intestines is fucking nuts. Uh, mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, people thought he was handsome. Uh, he worked in politics, go figure. And, uh, you know, and then his whole thing to me was interesting, you know, and people know this if they know serial killer stuff, but it's just interesting to me in terms of when the monster can work uh, 
undercover for so long without being caught. And then the second he's caught, like this guy turns like totally rabid and he jumps out of a you know courthouse window and then he bounces, he runs, he basically flees across the country from Colorado to Florida. And then he goes on a murdering spree with a log and he bashes the brains in of, of young women. And then he's in uh, jail uh, and uh, he, well, he's in court. He, he wants to, this is Ted Bundy still, wants to be his own lawyer. He even has a woman there in the trial. Do you know the story where he, he like says, oh, she's, she's gonna talk now and he marries himself to her while on trial, you know? Just like other level crazy stuff. Uh, and then, you know, and then flash forward to his, um, his execution you know, I, I was always also interested in the way then the public reacts. So then they show up, there's a whole thing outside of his electric chair in the yard, like in the grass outside, and they're partying and barbecuing, and they've got pins they're selling and merchandise. And like, that is also disgusting to me. So like the serial killer story just encompasses so much absurdity, whether it's the violence, like the hidden monsters in the world, but also how like we react to it and kind of also become insane. And like, with like the Bundy thing, uh, and we can go back to that with, with what I'm working on too. Uh, so there was like that monster aspect is really, really interesting to me. Um, and then I guess the third thing was for this specific story with Long Island, when I started looking into it, uh, like the, the shock of the, some of the details was so disturbing to me that I, I like, couldn't look away anymore. And like, I, I wasn't like, I'm not gonna you know, solve it. Although I thought I could at some point uh, but so there was a, a mutilated torso found in Manorville, Long Island, and that, that torso belonged to a hooker and, uh, no one found the hands or the head. And then, you know, fast forward, I think 10 to 20 years on Gilgo beach, which is the graveyard I'm talking about now by the surf capital, you know, with the, the with this Long Island serial killer we're talking about, they find a pair of hands that belonged to that torso, right, from years prior. So I'm like, what the fuck? So, you know, that that detail just really fucking bothered me. Like, so like, because uh, we, the guy who mutilated that torso is in jail, right? We know who that guy is, that's John Bitchwolf. And he was a carpenter from that area. And he just mutilated those women and put them in the woods. And he was also a father of two. Uh, you know, I had a nice house out there. And, and left those bodies pretty close to his house. Actually, I did that drive and um, it, it's, it's odd how close it was, but you know, he's been uh, basically exonerated from any of the, the crimes out at Gilgo Beach. So to me, it was just like super weird that you could have this like shared graveyard, you know, between a, one suspect we don't know about and one that's in jail. Uh, and I was just like, that's fucking scary. And then you like, you look at Long Island as a whole and there's just so much, there's like a lot of serial killers that have been there. There's a lot of like uh, mass murder. There's a lot of like extreme brutal violence where like stories like a woman hacking up her landlord, I believe it was her landlord, and just dri driving from Brooklyn out to Long Island, is Brooklyn or Queens, and just scattering the limbs in people's yards. And it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with this place, <laughs> right? Like, what the fuck? So all of those things really uh, drew me to it. And uh, I, I just couldn't like, I couldn't stop looking away. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of something else. While I was writing the story, just like talking to the victim's families and like experiencing their paranoia, they don't know who to trust anymore. 
there are these people called, I was calling them grief whores, and they kind of like latch on to the story. And I was afraid of becoming one too, so I don't want to like exploit the family members and be like, hey, I'm going to write a story about you. Tell me everything you know. So it's like I'm trying to dance that line without, uh, you know, crossing these boundaries that a lot of other people are doing. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it happen uh, through these different blogs and through emails and the phone calls I make. So yeah, it was like a mixture of all that stuff where I just like couldn't, I couldn't stop. And then it kind of just took over my whole life. Yeah, I get, it's, it's funny. There's then once again, the reason why I like this story is because you like it. And I seen so many parallels between the things that I like. There's just so many between the internet sleuths, even the grief whores. Uh, not that I think there's yeah. really so much of those anymore with OK, the OKC, but you do try not to be, uh, you know, as I'm digging this story, it's like I have contacted sources on my own, but usually like whenever it's one that is like someone who's experienced grief, that's a different story. Yeah. Now, if it's, uh, for example, I contacted Stephen Vassar, who at one point I've, I've done an interview with him. He was a fellow, John, he was like a John Doe 2 eyewitness, and he was also a friend of Yiki, and that was a little bit different because for one i and even then i played it cool i i i friend request i found him online i sent him kind of a i'm not gonna say which social media because i don't want to like you know tip him off but <laughs> kind of you know yeah. sent i didn't like send a message or whatever i just kind of whether friend him or whatever social media i was on and then kind of waited and eventually he came to me started liking yiki posts and then i realized he was receptive so even him yeah. like it's still like i kind of waited for him to come to me because i just feel you just feel like you don't want to like be you, you just know, yeah. like, you're not sure what state they're in. You don't want to be the prying person. It is yep. hard. And you do realize there probably are people who don't give a shit like you do. Uh, so right. it is a hard balance. And like you said, with the internet sleuths, there, there's just so much. I, I do want to speak on the paranoia because there is truth to the paranoia between, I mean, with yours. Uh, yours is more of like more of a mystery, like an unknown, because it is like, is the serial killer still out there? Is he looking for retribution? Mm -hmm. Is there a group of serial killers? Uh, you you mm -hmm. don't know. Like, for example, the OKC thing, it's like when you start looking at it, it's like, oh, there are some uh, some pretty strong Fed connections and it looks like they may have done some pretty fucked up things. So it's like mm -hmm. uh, you could just disappear or your life could get picked apart in all sorts of different ways. So it's like, right. I mean, I've I've only had like one time where I was like a little bit. I guess I wasn't that freaked out, but for the most part, I've never really been that concerned, but there is still a little bit of that, like, it is a factor. Uh, have you really mm -hmm. ever felt any anything at all, like you were ever getting too close to the truth or anything along those lines where you did start to, I don't get overly paranoid? Because I have had my moments where I did get paranoid. One, There was one week my wife, uh, uh, hmm. her, she had one of her car tires went flat like th three times or something like that, and it was all in the same exact spot. And I was like, the mm. only ways it would justify is they were doing construction or work. But a right. common thing, uh, Tanya Yiki, Yiki's wife, in the in that yep. story, she had the same exact thing happen to her a bunch. Like she was getting harassed, right. and there was a bunch of other stuff. But that was one of the small little minute details of the harassment. And I was like, like kept getting like nails yep. in the tire in the same exact spot. And you're like, is yep. someone fucking with me? <laughs> like what's going on? Oh, it was yeah. like. Yeah, so I mean, and it's like yeah, I don't know. That could have been just completely just could have just completely just coincidental. I don't fucking know. But that's the thing. Yeah, I think I drove myself into a paranoia, you know, because the people uh, who were so in the immediate aftermath of the women being found on that beach, there was like for the first four women they found, these blogs popped up from Long Island, and everyone just started accusing everyone of being the killer, you know. Uh, like there's a local doctor who took one of the women in at first, like before, obviously before she died. 
they thought he was someone that guy's a mess he's got a fake leg uh you know there's the, the chief of police they thought he was a suspect i still am a little suspect uh suspicious of him uh so that's james bird you know people people are interested in him because i'll get to my paranoia in a minute but i just want to go through these guys real quick and like the paranoia of the people um so james burke we know basically obstructed the investigation into the serial killer uh to hide his own corruption and now james burke um is a man let's go back to his childhood real quick because people like to psychoanalyze him and i think it's worth noting because it's so fucked up when he was a boy he noticed or no i'm sorry he witnessed other boys murder a young boy right in the woods and they, and and not just murder then they shoved rocks in the dead boy's mouth it's really like disgusting murder right and to testify against those kids so one one could argue like you know he's got some fucked up trauma from his childhood and now he performs violence right and then they would also look at uh his past with hookers before he was promoted to chief of police he was caught in his patrol car with a hooker um and then I think it was while he was chief of police, and I even think it was during the investigation, some guy broke into his car and stole sex toys and, and porn. The, there are theories out there that the porn was snuff films. I have not confirmed that, but I wouldn't be surprised because the other rumors I've heard about sex parties he's supposedly been at uh, that are, that's been told to us by lawyers of the victim's families. Um, so he's like got a really shady past. He was actually just arrested again, like two weeks ago, which was shocking, right? Cause it's like, oh, they got a suspect. And then like two weeks or a month later, they arrested James Burke. It seems like it's coincidence. I have a very hard time believing in coincidence, but they got him at a, at a Vietnam war memorial soliciting an undercover cop. He wanted to give this guy a blowjob. Like he was like, and they're like, oh, we got, yeah, it was crazy. Totally yeah. crazy. So uh, they took him in, you know, oh, and he went to jail for beating up the guy who took the stuff, supposed to stuff out of his car. So to be clear, right? Burke was and trying also, to suck his dick. Burke was trying to, yeah, he said, I really want to suck your dick. And like, you're like, you're under arrest. Like, dude, <laughs> this dude, this dude is fucked. This dude is fucked up. So, but yeah, he, he had been in jail for beating up the guy who stole stuff out of his car. And then they, he got out, uh, you might hear my daughter. And then he got out uh, of jail kind of was under the radar and they they were like you know it's just so weird to me that he's now in custody again uh, it's very i don't know it's just weird right because my theory the whole thing was uh i think the killer is working with the police somehow mm -hmm. because he's just how do you go undetected that long you know we, we all thought he was like a high profile type like type guy uh we know like the ed kemper thing serial killers can kind of infiltrate the police right not a real shocker uh so it, it it's it's plausible uh and then in terms of the paranoia so that's all the blog the, the blog and the people in this community were just pointing the finger at everybody there are people that have to move to florida they left they left long island for good because they it was getting so insane there were like drones falling in people's yards and they would they would think it was some other person trying to set them up it was nuts so that paranoia kind of like obviously i'm susceptible to paranoia now i'm like like bringing in my life every, like every day um and so at a certain point i uh find a website called utopia guide and this is uh long island based like um i called it like a yelp for hookers although it predates yelp actually it's older than yelp yelp is actually like a utopia guide but like so utopia guide is on the normal website i believe it's still on the normal internet i believe it's still out there 
Uh, but basically, it's a, it's a group of men from this very specific part of Long Island that have a, a rating system and a blog about all the hookers they hook up with. And they talk about their like the, the things they perform on them. And they have like a three-tiered number system. And uh, I spent a lot of time reading through their comments. It was just, it was just fascinating to me. Like, you know, it's so, it, the website's so old. I could go back to 9-11, 2001 and read them talking about getting like, their dick sucked by some hooker in the island. And then some guy coming and saying, hey, a plane just flew into the Twin Towers. Okay, that's crazy. How is that blowjob? Blowjob, blowjob, blowjob. And then like another plane flew in towers. Holy shit, you know, da, 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 da. It was like so nonchalant. Uh, so that website started to like, I got deep into that website because um, I found a guy who went by the name Genius and he posted like extremely violent posts. So, you know, I had to, I have to like contend with the fact that maybe it's a troll who also found this website and he's, you know, he knows how to talk the lingo. They had a whole like specific language, um, but all the other men took him very seriously and they'd call his post like epistles. And he would talk about uh, how to hide this uh, lifestyle from your wife, how, what hours to go out, how to keep burner phones, how to uh, use aliases. Um, and he would talk about, uh, how he how much he loved to beat women in public in his car like park in a parking lot and uh bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Receive like oral sex or, or do whatever they did and then punch them like over and over and over again or choke them out. And, and these other guys would love it. Uh, and so at this point, all that paranoia I was talking about has like, boom, like in my brain and I like, and, and this website is so hyper specific to dead hookers in that area. I'm like, well, I'm calling the FBI. You know, at, at that point I was still like, oh, the FBI can do something. You know, that, this is a long time ago, remember? Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call them now. So I called them and they like passed me through to some voice message thing. And my voice is like collected in some box somewhere, probably talking about utopia guide. But um, then, you know, let's fast forward a ways to uh, July of this year. And I'm in uh, Los Angeles and I'm thinking about Ted Bundy because I'm out in LA. I'm thinking about uh, Herbert Mullen, different serial killers from out there. And I wake up that morning to the news that there's a suspect and it's this guy, Rex Herman. And the first thing the cops tell us is like, he was really good at using aliases, burner phones, and, and he was obsessed with searching like torture porn, right? So that's not so rare in, in, in this world of, of someone who is possibly a murderer, right? But uh, I was like, this fucking guy, I almost guarantee used Utopia Guy. 
Like I, I feel like my gut is like, that's a hundred percent. It could be wrong. Right. You know, <laughs> I also think James Burke, the chief police used utopia guy as well. I'm like waiting to hear that confirmed probably in the trial. But, uh, when they announced that, I was like, okay, that, that sounds like the guy. Uh, but again, like I said earlier, that's just what the news is reporting. And that's just what the DA is saying. Uh, so it remains to be seen. But th yeah, when I was when I was calling the FBI, uh, when I was tracking down who owned that website, it was it was starting to get really crazy. I was I was traveling to far away pay phones to make certain phone calls. You know, I thought people were following me. It was all a lot of it was a lot of like made up paranoia, right? Like it was my own boogeyman. But, uh, you know, I just started to see everyone as a danger. Uh, the deeper I got into it, the more you know, I started thinking about uh, hidden monsters around me. I was living in Brooklyn at the time. My wife was, was extremely pregnant with our first. And uh, I had definitely gone down the rabbit hole like too far. Um, and, and that never really left, right? Like that paranoia is, that was never really, it was always there to begin with, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, I felt, felt pretty paranoid. And uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably die paranoid. That's just a part of me. I have to contend with that for the rest of my life. Or do you do you find the danger appealing though? I mean, I know it's like a kind of a almost a danger of your own making in a lot of ways, but it is one of those things where you're like, mm -hmm. there's a possibility, and uh, I think there there's something to that to where you're drawn to it. Yeah, there's something to it. Like I, I hate it. Like I don't really like putting myself in these situations because, like, you know, when I'm out there, whether it's you know whatever story it is, you know, I had I'd have more serious death threats after this story for other stories, or you know, getting this guy wanting to skin me alive like a dog for the second to last or second last book I wrote, you know, so that was this, the serial killer was just like kind of an appetizer to the things to come. And so I do find myself in these situations. There is something, I, I guess, about being like on the edge of like uh, a polite society that gets like uh, an energy flowing for the writing for me that I, 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 I can't get that just sitting at home, you know, and searching stuff. Like there's something about like, really being around people or seeing them face to face if I can. Uh, but I, at the same time, like, I, I don't like it. I don't like putting myself out there like that. Probably nothing's going to happen, but you know, people mm -hmm. have gotten very mad with me for other stories. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it could also be, uh, you know, I grew up with my hero being my grandfather. He happened to be a cop in the, in New York city in the seventies. And I spent years and years and years recording interviews with him not to do anything with maybe one day I'll turn into something, but him telling me stories of like the just utter violence, right? This is the Berkowitz years. Uh, so I don't know, like his stories, I was just like, there's something to like that life, right? Where like, he, I feel like he always had like a, he lived more of a life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it was a danger for sure. I didn't put myself in any of the situations he, he was in because he, he had like uh, uh, partners shot dead, right? I, I was never in that situation. Um, but I definitely have found myself in places I probably shouldn't be. Um, but I, I don't know. I just kind of grew up putting myself in those situations. Uh, yeah. And like, I remember with my grandfather, he would tell me like, he looked up to his brother who was, was like at war doing like, you know, in his terms, like better war, whatever the fuck that means. Right. Like oh, I fucking war. I fucking hate war. But like my grandfather thinking of it as like a, he was lesser than because his brother got to see real war. Whereas he saw the Korean mm -hmm. war. Fuck, fuck all those wars. But like, there's something about like, I don't know, seeing the fringes of society that's fascinating to me. And I, I guess I have to put myself in those situations sometimes because it's, a, it's the best way for me to write about them, you know?
So that's, that's where I've been going. Although it, I also have like extreme paranoia and anxiety about being there. So like, I don't enjoy it, but like, I feel like I'm forcing myself to be in those situations. It's a fucked up situation. Yeah, no, I feel you. All right, let's go ahead and I guess get into the actual story. Let, let's start off with kind of how it all started. Uh, I know in your yeah. series, you start off with the, the body found in the woods. Although I think it, it it does it starts more more starts off with the girl I forget her name off the top of my head you yeah. you'll know what I'm talking about but I mean mm-hmm. you can start with either one whichever you feels like the better starting point uh, and yeah. then we'll, we'll kind of go into it yeah so we'll start with Shannon Gilbert who you're talking mm-hmm. about so she was a <coughs> prostitute who advertised herself on uh, like Craigslist and Backpage uh, back before I think the government outlawed Backpage. Um, and she was purchased by a, a John, I believe his name was Joseph Brewer. This is in Gilgo beach, um, where I was talking about what the surf capital is what they call, and something happened to Shannon inside of that house of Joseph Brewers, uh, that she had like a mental freak and called the cops and went running out of the house and disappeared. Uh, she had a driver, Michael pack, uh, he was outside, he saw her bounce. Joseph Brewer saw her bounce. No one knows what she saw inside. Uh, it could be just drugs, like a drug-induced freak out. Um, they did not release that audio for many, many years. So when I first started writing the story, I, I never heard the audio, uh, but she, you know, now that they, they released it, she sounds totally freaked out. Something's wrong with her. Supposedly she knocks on some people's houses and uh, no one helps her and then she just disappears her her mom mary gilbert called obviously distraught obviously they didn't have a great relationship but they they still talked uh and they knew that her she knew that her daughter was missing the cops did kind of like a half-assed search uh they they didn't take it too seriously it's just uh you know basically like a prostitute you know they go missing all the time this is what they're thinking and uh you know that's that i think it's like six months go by I think she disappeared in May. Sometime in that upcoming winter, there's an officer on Gilgo Beach uh, who's training his cadaver dog. You know, those dogs can sniff out dead mm-hmm. bodies. And the, the cadaver dog who uh, was named Blue sniffed out some bones, some remains. And the cop was like, oh shit. Like basically he's like, I think I found Shannon. I don't think he was out there looking for anything. Supposedly he was just out there training his dog. Uh, so they found a body, uh, they brought that body in and then they were going to go continue searching, uh, to see if anything else, any part, like any, uh, leftover remains from that, from that specific body is left over, but, uh, it snowed. And so they have to like stop the search and they, uh, and that meantime, they, they discovered that that body was not, uh, Shannon Gilbert's. It belonged to one of the other ladies. And that's like Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Amber Costello and uh, Megan Waterman. And those would be the three next bodies they would find, right? So they, they or the two next, you know, one and then two more bodies. And they were, those women were, were lined up, uh, wrapped in burlap sacks facing the water. So they're like, okay, that's obviously bizarre. We think we have a serial killer on our hands. Uh, so they kept searching that area and they just kept finding bodies. Oh, in all, I think they found 11 plus extra remains, like the pair of hands I was telling you about. Uh, one of them is an infant. I believe the mother of that infant is also out there. 
One of them is like some cross-dresser prostitute, possibly. I think it was an Asian male uh, dressed as a woman. Uh, I think there's also a pair of feet found out there. And there, but after all that, there was no, no Shannon Gilbert, which is not yet, right? Like it took, took a while. They eventually found Shannon face down in the water. Like uh, uh, they would say that her, uh, the hyoid bone had been snapped, which is mm-hmm. conducive uh, with like you being uh, strangled. So, however, they have not to this date even they don't even consider her a victim of the serial killer at all. They say she drowned out there, mm-hmm. which is just bizarre to find a dead body in a graveyard of dead bodies that are definitely either mutilated or put or placed there by someone after they've been murdered, and now you have this other person who also fits the description of the other women they know of. Uh, and they're like, nah, it's not her. Really weird. So Mary Did Gilbert she have Shannon's stuff mom, on her too, or something? Was she like had was wrapped in some way, but it was like shoddily done? I thought there was something to her body. Uh, it wasn't just looked was like wrapped. a person just. I, I, not necessarily wrapped, <laughs> but I thought there was more to the body than just laying I, face down in water. I don't. I don't remember if there was. I remember it was in in her clothes still, uh, but I don't okay. remember if she had anything on it. I could be wrong though, okay. uh, right. because like there is like details that they keep. They kept it. They kept a lot of these details so close to their chest for so long, which is like it didn't help anybody uh, in terms of like trying to figure this out. Like the car, they they kept under wraps for like twelve years. But uh, Mary Gilbert, Shannon's mom, made a big stink about all of this. Uh, she became very vocal. The other mothers and and family members they did rally around with her. There was some kind of like weird thing happening, and this is something in Robert Kolker's book between the families. I think one of the daughters one of the sisters of the victims ended up stealing money from a fund that was more of like Colker's thing so like but whatever that was that started to be like real drama between the victims families uh but mary always stayed like pretty vigilant uh and she she hired this like lawyer john ray who i find to be super annoying he's like uh She's like this white dude with like a little ponytail and he always wears like like fancy like velour suits and uh, just something about him is repulsive to me uh but he, he did like he did he did you know keep the word out there when other people were just not giving a shit uh about it but he's very like one of those like sensational lawyer types uh he also hired michael bodden to do the autopsy on shannon gilbert uh, other people might know about bodden for doing autopsy on jeffrey epstein uh, also, very strange to me, uh, celebrity uh, people who do autopsies, like the celebrity autopsy is just a very bizarre situation. Uh, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But so uh, the reason I'm getting to Mary is just, just in terms of like just how fucked up this story is. Uh, I had messaged Mary on Facebook and she was like interested in talking, but I ha- she said I had to go through her lawyer first, this guy I'm telling you about. So getting through him was a pain in the ass. But uh, in that time, maybe like a week or two after uh, reaching out to her, Mary was murdered by her own daughter, her other daughter. Uh, and that was just like fucking crazy. And, and her daughter, I think, had a, her own psychological snap from, you know, you could say it's from drugs and a mixture of what happened to her sister. Who knows what? But uh, she totally snapped and then stabbed her mom like 200 something times and then bashed her brains in with a fire extinguisher. Uh, and, and like, and then in terms of how this story haunts me, I thought I was done with the story. I, I had already handed in my draft and I was hanging out with some friends. The 
the husband was a nurse at the time. And this is three hours north of Long Island. And uh, he comes home to his house where we're all chilling. And he's like, I had the craziest day. That story you've been writing about, I'm telling you about, he said, uh, I just like took care of the daughter who murdered the mother because they brought her into my hospital in a straitjacket covered in blood. I was like, holy fuck, man. That's insane. Like, why the fuck? You know, like, it's just like, I couldn't like get a, get away from this weird, violent story. And, uh, and then like, yeah, it was just like, so, so bizarre. Uh, and so that, that daughter's now in prison, but, uh, Do you feel like there's any connection there? Cause I see dots and I immediately like, I'm like, is I there, know. cause it just seems so bizarre. And especially since, she, uh, Sh Shannon, I believe she was the one, the one yep. of the only ones that was like, somewhat different i guess there were like obviously the feet being there and like there were some ones that are different than the normal mo obviously you had the transvestite but it's like it just seems yeah. like this one's much different than the other mo's it was in a different spot it was just kind of shawly just thrown there it's just like <laughs> yep. it makes you think that like maybe it wasn't associated with the other murders or or maybe it was in a way yeah. we're not thinking of because and this is somehow it just seems odd i mean i don't know yeah, what dot to always... connect there but I always thought of it as like, uh, um, it, it must be, this is just how I thought of it. I thought of it as it must be that the sister had like a, a real psychological break, uh, from the stress of this case, but who, but who knows? Right. Cause like, I th also, the theory was there is multiple people operating in this area, obviously, because we know there's two different people who dump remains in the same spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and who knows what else, you know, other people think it was the mob, you know, so dumping bodies there who knows um so like there was there was all of that uh, so that that was like one aspect and that's you know basically all the bodies they found out there uh but for for a long time uh, we still don't know the names of many of those bodies uh so i got into it you know a few years after the initial discovery of the bodies and then i like so like i said earlier i got really invested in these amateur detectives and uh, so like the, basically like I do in the story, I was fascinated with these people who who like go out and use Google Maps to kind of like recreate the crime scene. Right. Like I think his name is Gray Hughes and he's fascinating, you know, and he, he's been since been hired to go to trial to help kind of like pinpoint how murder scenes could have been, you know, operated or, or, or like made, you know, so. He, he was interesting. He made like a Google Earth image of Google Beach. And like with his imagery, I was able to then go to Google Beach, walk where the remains were. It was so bizarre to like think about how this could have happened in terms of dumping the bodies because it's a long stretch of highway uh, where you can see cars coming from like really far away on the other side. So you could potentially pull over really quick and, and drag a body out, dump it past the bramble, and lay it on the side that faces the bay, um, which is it's crazy to think about, but like you do have so much time. And it maybe also, this is just like theory, you know, if you know you're good with the cops or someone in authority, you have that confidence to stop and like chill and do what you gotta do out there. But there's also, you know, the bay is right there. You could take a boat easily from across the bay and dump a body. Uh, but it was, you know, it's interesting like when you're out there and you walk this land to be like, just how crazy it is that it's this popular beach spot. It's also super secluded, you know, Shannon Gilbert went missing in May when it would have been kind of highly trafficked out there. Uh, and in the winter, obviously it's, it's up in there in Long Island, it's, it's super cold. So it's not as busy. 
Um, although some of the surfers do prefer the waves because they're bigger. Um, so, you know, there was that aspect. And then from there, I went to the people who had basically latched on to this case, who would become very close with the family members, like this guy in Vegas who uh, was like a, uh, he basically, he basically looked like a, uh, not a, a Charles Manson, like uh, he, he worked at a horror ha haunted house in, in Vegas and he dressed up like Charles Manson. He had the X on the head. And like, I was kind of becoming really interested in the psychology of these people. Like, why are they invested? Like you're asking me about me. I was like, what the fuck is up with these people? Um, and, and his story was like his, I think it was his friend's mom was murdered by a serial killer in uh, California. One I'd never heard of, but it's just another like very similar, you know, guy killing hookers type story, but his proximity to it really fucked him up. So yeah, from there, and then I went to these guys, the web sleuths, and they were the ones who I did a lot of work with. And they've actually helped solve some crimes. Um, mm. And they're, they're interesting. You know, they're, they're owned by this lady, uh, Trisha Griffith, I think her name is. And she got into it. She's, she's a little older than us. She got into it because of the uh, John Bonnet Ramsey case. Uh, I believe that's kind of near, near where she lives. Uh, and so that, you know, WebSource has been around for a minute. And uh, the cops don't take them so seriously. But I think some do more so now because of what they've been able to do in terms of like crowdsourcing evidence finding missing people, uh, you know, the, the, they help find a, a murder suspect and help, no, yeah, they help find a murder suspect. And I think they believe uh, they found the victim. There was some guy who won the lottery who was murdered. Right. And like, I think he was buried in concrete or something below the house. It's in, it's in, I think I put it in my story actually. Cause it was just like, holy shit. Like it was crazy that they did it. Um, cause it's like such a big team of internet sleuths. You know, it's like thinking of like what like Reddit can do or 4chan, you know, like people like mm, coming together to yeah. find whatever that flag was, you know, like the Shia LaBeouf it's prank. All, all <laughs> right, right. Like, like it, you put these people together, they will mm. get shit done. Right. So and they did. They did. So that was all really fascinating to me. So while that was all happening, and this is the very beginning, like the first like year of me investigating the story, we had no answers. We didn't, you know, we, we didn't know about a ton of stuff. We didn't even know what kind of burlap sacks it was in, nothing. You know, now we know it's probably because this Chief uh, Burke guy mm. was hiding so much. Um, so then, you know, for years, there's nothing. Uh, you mentioned how I start the story, uh, that the, the part that you read, uh, you know, that series was, I, I, I opened with the bodies found in Manorville which are John Bittrell's victims. I, I did suspect John Bittrell is somehow connected uh, just because of how weird it was to have the remains shared in different places. Um, Do you still? The reason I ended up, I, you know, th no, th I don't, I don't. I, and I'll tell yeah. you what, I'll get there in a second. It's because it's, yeah. it's weird. Uh, and, and, then, and then just another like weird connection. Again, I grew up like three hours north of this, right? So like, I don't know Long Island like that. My, uh, I, I, offer, I, I managed a tattoo shop for four years. So one of my like, best friends own, owns a tattoo shop up there in New York. And uh, he's tattooing a guy. And this is well after I published all, all of my stories about it. And he's talking about he, the guy he's tattooing brings up serial killing in Long Island. And it turns out he's in this area because his buddy's in prison down, you know, not far away, uh, which is the correctional facility. And he's like, oh, yeah, my best friend is John Bitroff. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck are the odds, right? I'm like, well, I can't get rid of this shit. So he was the best man at his wedding and all this shit. And like, you know, it's just really just bizarre shit. So uh, 
with, with John Pitchoff, like that was uh, just getting really interesting. I was kind of, I kind of forget where I was going with that part. Uh, with John oh, Pitchoff. If you thought it was associated uh, with the other murders. Oh, like, why? why yeah, I was, yep. Yeah, I was trying to think why they were together. Uh, and I think it was, yeah, I was going to get into finding the body. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, another weird connection was a girl I went to college with, her brother found those bodies. So mm-hmm. I was like, I just couldn't get away from this story. So I then reached out to that guy, him and his friend, were, I think they were hunting or something. And they, they just stumbled across the body. And so I was able to see photos that they took. They're, they're not supposed to have these photos, uh, but I have these photos, not of the bodies actually. Uh, they, they probably do have those, probably. They didn't share Wait, were these me. the guys and looking for them. antlers in your first story? Oh, that's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. Yep. Looking for antlers. Yeah. Looking yep. for antlers. Uh, thank you. So they, you know, I have photos. Maybe I even shared this one. And I think they are about to have this one. They shared this photo of like the indentation in the ground where the body, one body was. So that was just like, you know, what the fuck? Like John Bitchoff is literally right here. It's not that far from Gilgo Beach. Uh, a lot of people do think it's him who, got, who, who maybe killed these people in Gilgo Beach. But I guess according to the authorities... <laughs> His, his DNA is not matched to people on Gilgo. Uh, the way they got John Bitrolf was they, uh, the, the DNA matched someone in their system from those bodies I'm telling you about in Manorville. And it turned out to be John Bitrolf's brother who had been in trouble much earlier, but his brother was cleared. So then they started surveilling John and they have to get garbage out of his house. Like he put garbage outside of the road for pickup. They got a call, I think it was a cup. And then it went off and they arrested him. And that was it. Uh, they suspect him, I think, in another killing, which hasn't been uh, verified yet. So, you know, there's that. And then, and then what brings them together even more, the suspect that I'm talking about, that I've been writing about, and John, is that according to the DA, uh, in all of his searches, on all his like Google searches, this guy was like kind of obsessed with searching John Bitchoff. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is weird. Did they know each other? You know, was he interested in someone else doing something similar, right? You know, right down the road, they're not far apart. You know, Manorville is not very far. Um, maybe they knew each other. This dude's an architect. This dude's a, like a carpenter. And it's not like, you know, they're both like well off, right? John Bitchoff had a nice house, right? Uh, and then it's funny how they got Rex Sherman, the guy I've been writing about, same way, you know, they, they, he, he tossed a uh, pizza box with pizza crust away and they got it and the DNA went off and it matched uh, his, uh, him, I think, because his brother was in the system already because his brother uh, killed a cop with a car mm. uh, years ago. So it's like, you know, it, it's fucking nuts. But so, yeah, uh, where were we at now? With, uh, so they got him, they got Rex and, you know, I was there the day they brought him out for his pre-trial hearing which was that whole thing was a circus in its in itself that you know so we'll go what, two routes the vitriol guy or are you talking about something else oh no no for, for the guy i'm t- for the guy i've been writing about you know when they when oh okay they okay, okay. Him, well i thought uh, you were still in vitriol with, yeah. catch up that no, okay sorry, gotcha gotcha sorry oh no yeah, but yeah, i don't no. i don't know if you, maybe i missed jail. it i don't know if i missed it but did you answer why you don't think they're associated because you did say that uh the sherman guy was uh was looking up vitriol uh, maybe I might not be pronouncing it right. But, oh yeah, no, no, uh, no, no. Oh yeah, no, no. It's all right. It should be vitriol. No, it's vitriol. Uh, vitriol. I, I heard. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it, should, it sounds like vitriol, though. That's good. Right? I, uh, I've listened to your, your series probably three, four, five times, and, and okay. I always heard vitriol. I don't know why. That's but, funny. Yeah, it's probably because yeah. my, yeah, my, my silly voice. But uh, I don't know <laughs> why, why I think they're not connected. We just don't know. I, they could yeah. be. You know, so part of me thinks that they're all connected, oh. right? Like the, oh, the chief of police, okay. vitriol, uh, you know, that, that, that's a theory. I, I have no idea. Um, yeah. You said you, it, said you had a reason why you thought they were different uh, murderers or or something along those lines. Maybe you think they're associated, but doing different murders. Because uh, I'm yeah, of the I mean, opinion, too, it's probably some sort of group or something. It seems, I don't know, it seems like too much going on for there not to be more to the story. There's a lot. Uh, and I just go back and forth. I don't know. Yeah. Like, they, they, they are similar in that they're both, like, kind of well-off men and fathers. Mm in in like really kind of nicer communities you know and we're regarded as like kind of more or less nice people you know you'll always find the person who like in high school he was a dirty slob you know and i i knew it you know but like for the most part these guys just were like operating under the radar totally fine um they both went after the same type of woman they both Mm -hmm. uh you know i don't know to what degree uh the victims on gilgo beach were mutilated if they were at all i don't think we know that yet you know yeah. we, i think we know they were strangled uh but it seemed like bitroff was into like way darker types of stuff like the ted bundy stuff you know like mm. like creating like a trophy but they also you know you could also say what, what Herman, if it's Herman was doing whoever put the body the bodies on the beach was creating his own type of trophy as well just you know in a different type of way yeah um but yeah no i, I go back and forth with that all right, uh, Shane, I actually had something come up. So if you're open to it, I actually think it's probably be a good spot. I'd actually like to, I think we usually have at least another hour, hour and a half in this. So I yeah. think it'd probably be good to break this up into two. And if you're open to it, I'd like to schedule a few to yeah. come on later and we can continue it because I do like how yeah. deep we're going here. And I, I think we're at a good yeah. spot. And I do think uh, the takeaway here is I think there, the thing with serial killers or stories of this ilk is it is, it is interesting and it, it, it's about people. Cause it's like, it yep. is kind of like, why do people do things as Sam Tripoli says, hurt people, hurt people. Uh, so it mm-hmm. is like, uh, I, I do think there is interesting. Why are these people doing these things? Also, even just the people who get involved, why are you doing this? Why are you compelled to, to deal with this hurt, to try to rectify it in whatever way you can? Uh, I think yep. that's, I don't know. There's, there's something that speaks to the human condition there, I think. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, but, and yeah, when we, when we, when we come back for round two, you know, remind me, we can then talk about the other aspect, which is how the media reacts to this yep. too, you know, mm-hmm. and I had a pretty good front row seat to that. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the, the pretrial, you know? Well, awesome. I, I appreciate having you here. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely yeah, do, do this again, uh, probably pretty soon. Uh, if you want to go ahead and drop your plugs, let people know who you are, where they can find you, let them know where they can find this. Cause I know you've written, wrote on this. You've also, you did a good series in your inverted world series uh, yep. you, for those like me that are, you know, for one, I'm a blue blue collar working kind of guy, so I, I'm usually uh, audio stuff is great for me because it works, so I can listen to it while I'm working, uh, and just kind yeah. of that's why I said I've listened to it like five times, just because I'm just I'm just literally doing manual labor listening to it. So, um, awesome. if you want to let people know, you know, plugs, I guess I already kind of plugged your inverted world, but but go ahead. Yeah, no, well, thanks for that, man. Thanks for listening <laughs> to it. Uh, so the the whole uh, inverted world series, like in this part, the serial killer. You can find it on YouTube at Tales from the Inverted World. It's illustrated. It's narrated. Um, there's a bit of an expanded version in the book, which is at invertedworldbook.com. Uh, and then everything else you can find at shanecashman.com, which is all my stories at tincast.com, just so you can easily find them. 
Uh, and then I'm at Shane Cashman everywhere else. All right, appreciate it, man. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to my sponsors because I appreciate you guys. It's the highest level of my Patreon. I do. I have Toad, my, my co-host on Terror Gang. You follow him uh, at Terror Gang Toad. You can also find him on the Terror Gang podcast with me. Uh, and then I also have at Abrogate D's. You follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter. Then I have Kevin B. Clark, a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area. So for all you Long Island guys, he might be near you. Uh, at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K on Twitter. Give him a follow. You can you can support me at patreon.com. So it's no way Jose 2020 if you'd like to do that. Uh, also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, at Tower Gang Jose. And yeah, um, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Appreciate having you on, bud. It's always a pleasure having you. I, you know, as anyone who follows the show long enough can tell because I've had you on quite a few times. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, till we meet again. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you. And we are out. Peace. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.